come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. But maybe the ray is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. <laughs> but not the symptom. Welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where each week we take a film out of the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. My name is Britt Reinhold Thompson. And I'm Joey Rogate. And today, I am going to take you all on a strange journey into the world of Dr. Frankenfurter. We, of course, are talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show, directed by Jim Sharman from 1975. And this is... This film, I'm actually very nervous to talk about. I know that we had always said, like, Seven Samurai was such a big film to, like, research for. This one almost felt more intense to me just because of my own history with this movie so it, i i'm pretty pretty nervous excited but nervous to to get into it all but before we do why don't we go around and talk about our recommendations for this this week so joey let's start with you what are you bringing to the table so i watched a movie this week that i felt like i don't know exists in the same world um i had not seen this movie in a very very long time so i wasn't sure um but I was right. Uh, 1986 Little Shop of Horrors, a florist and his pet, and the thing that probably most scarred me from the dentist forever, starring the wonderful Rick Moranis. I just, I thought it went together, and it was just fun. They exist, there's just no way that that's not, like, the florist they go to for their wedding, if everything doesn't take place. Like, same Down world. Down on Skid Row. <laughs> Exactly. But I felt like that was the appropriate, and that's where I went with the recommend. I got to watch it for the first time in probably, honestly, probably like 20 years. Oh, my God. Oh, I love, love, love Little Shop. Um, I saw it for the first time when I was 15 at, I believe it was at the Paramount here in Seattle. It was a life-changing experiment uh, experience. And it's it also an experiment, experiment too. whole show. Yeah. Um, and I, one day, I just, I want to play Audrey so bad. I sound, that her songs are right in my register. I got a great Broadway belt. Man, I would love to play that role one day. It's such a great show. Great choice. Oh, yeah. Stellar choice. Stellar choice. Um, I, ha- I, I, I have the, the cast or the, the film cast recording and a, a revival from like, I don't know, maybe the late 2000s or early 2010. Uh, Hunter Foster playing um, the playing Seymour. Um, it, it's really good. It's a really good revival of it. Um, oh, yeah. I could. I could. I mean, maybe not well, but I could sing you under the table. I definitely know the lyrics to that show so 
if we ever do karaoke, we can do Suddenly Seymour. Suddenly It'll Seymour. It'll be great. We'll bring the house down. It'll, we'll, we'll make them weep. It'll be incredible. <laughs> I will cheer for you from the sidelines happily. You can do a little dance in the background, like the the. Uh, There's even less girls. chance of that happening, but I will be <laughs> your hype man all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll take the hype man. I understand what I am. Little Chef of Horrors, great recommend. Uh, Adam, what do you have for us this week? I I am so. I think that that recommend is great. And, and my recommend is also there. I also just want before I give mine, I just want to say just on on Mike, uh, just literally last night finished Beef, which was Joey's recommend from um, last week. Oh, God, what a show. I was really right? I really dug it. Yeah, I, we were really into it. Man. Yeah. Oh, I watched the last um, two episodes again the other day. I just had like time and I couldn't sleep. And oh, it's so good. I'm so happy you finished it and liked it. We're still only two episodes in. We started watching um, a, an anime called Trigun Stampede, and it was amazing. But we'll get to beef eventually. It's good. It's good. Um, but to, to stick with these sort of culty camp musicals, um, I, I also have one. Um, it is a, a movie I discovered uh, when I was in college, and I loved it. And uh, uh, if you know it, then you'll know you'll know what I mean when I say it's a spadoinkle day. And uh, my recommend is going to be Cannibal the Musical. Ah, oh, my boys, Trey. Oh, my God. Oh, that's Cannibal fantastic. Um, so good. It, it, it is. It, and it was ultimately produced by Troma, which, of course, you'll know from any number of really bad, great Troma films. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, and this is this – is, uh, I want to make sure I give him all the credit he deserves. Directed, written, produced, co-scored, and starring Trey Parker. Yeah, <laughs> his, he goes nuts. His, his directorial debut while, while studying at uh, University of Colorado. Um, this is pri- this is pre-everything that you would know him for, pre-South Park, pre-Orgasmo, pre-Basketball. Um, and it's it's a um, it's a, a musical based around a kind of true story about Alfred Packer and a group of people up there. Um, but it is, it is so campy. It is so, it's so dumb. It's so, I mean, it is so dumb, but it's so much fun. I mean, it, and it's not, and here's the thing, like it, it is a, a movie about cannibals. So there is some blood and stuff in it, but like, if you're used to South Park stuff, like it's the comedy is more like kind of hokey. There's a great scene where they're, they're chasing him out of a bar and they start chasing him out. And after a second, you realize that it's the same actor circling around the set and running out of the entrance. It's, it's, it's so funny. And it's, should this movie be in the book? No, it should not. But it is so much fun. It is so funny. And, um, just what a fucking blast. So I'm going with Cannibal the Musical. What is the opening lyrics to that one song? are like, the sky is blue and all the leaves are green. My heart's as big as a baked potato. potato. <laughs> yep. I think I think you know precisely what I mean when I say it's a spadoinkle day. Yep, that's, that's that, it. Oh, that and let's build a snowman. We can make him tall. We can make him not so tall. <laughs> not so tall. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Great, great recommend. Also, in the same world. They all exist in the same realm. Anything Trey Parker does. So, awesome. Awesome. Well, for my recommend, um, I went a little weird. Big surprise. I went a little foreign. Big surprise. And I decided 
that this week I am going to recommend a Polish film from 2015 called The Lure. Have either of you ever seen it? Have not. It, I it can't say I've 19, heard of it. <laughs> it is set in the 1980s, and it's about two siren sisters named Golden and Silver who emerge from the water in Poland and become nightclub performers. It is a very dark retelling of The Little Mermaid. I watched it for the first time back in 2016, and I'm just so enthralled with it. The The soundtrack's incredible. It is a weird, twisted, dingy movie. It's one of the movies that also makes me say, good for her at the end. So, you know, it uh, it involves some revenge and... I really like the lure. It is bonkers. It is, I I just you should watch it. It's fun. Okay, I take that back. I have I've seen the image of it because and as I'm as I'm looking up as you're speaking, I could at some point it was on the Criterion Channel. Um, yeah. So I definitely know I've seen this the 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 shot of her in the bathtub. Uh, I know I've I've seen this poster before. It's on HBO Max right now. Oh, it is. Okay. I'll check that out. Yeah. I've you mean, seen you mean, it. I just have Do you mean Max? Do you mean Max? Is it just Max now? Not, I don't know. What is, oh, when right. Where did the change happen? But, I don't know. By date by of time. release, yeah, it's just it's just yeah. Max for some reason. It's it's just blue. Oh, God. <laughs> Stupid nonsense. The streaming service formerly known as Max. Oh, yes. there we go. There we go. Oh, goodness. Well, so we have three awesome recommendations that all very much fall under this kind of campy musical obscure thing that is the movie we're going to talk about today which is the rocky horror picture show i think are we ready to get into it friends yes okay all right well we're gonna start out with um the cast and crew of the rocky horror picture show we have tim curry starring as dr frankenfurter susan sarandon as janet weiss Barry Bostwick as Brad Majors, Richard O'Brien as Riff Raff, Patricia Quinn as Magenta, Little Nell as Columbia, Jonathan Adams as Dr. Everett V. Scott, Peter Hinwood as Rocky Horror, and Meatloaf as Eddie. Oh, and I can't forget Charles Gray as the criminologist, you, who you is cannot, an expert. You cannot no. forget Charles Gray. Oh, absolutely not. not. This movie was directed by Jim Sharman. The screenplay was by Richard O'Brien and Jim Sharman. It was produced by Lou Adler and Michael White. The cinematography was, I'm not going to say that guy's name. It's Peter S. Because I, I didn't practice and I can't say that. Oh, is it, is it, um, is it, is it uh, Sushetsky? Yep. yep. Sushetsky. That's it. I just looked at it and went, why didn't I practice that? Because <laughs> um, uh, I was like, oh, it's like a British film. I'm going to be able to say everybody's name. I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> it was edited. Edited by Graham Clifford. The music was by Richard Hartley. And the songs were by Richard O'Brien. Did I leave anybody out that you would like to mention, friends? I think that's quite thorough. Yeah. So, I wonder, have you looked up, is this in the IMDb Top 250? All of my research is old, so I don't remember. Um, I don't. I don't know. I my my guess is no. Yeah, I didn't look, but I'm gonna say no. I feel like this you wouldn't both... be in the it, it wouldn't be in the spirit of this movie if it was. 
Yeah, no, it is not on that list, which is not surprising. I mean, Joker is still there, and that's very surprising. Uh, I did check today. But uh, but so Rocky Horror five. didn't make it. But I feel like that's within the spirit of Rocky Horror to not be on the IMDb Top 250. Do you think this has been inducted into the National Film Registry? Well, I do know the answer to that one. I don't. I don't. I'm going to say no as well. This film was inducted into the National Film Registry in 2005. Do you want to know some notable films from 2005 that were also inducted? Of course. Former episode Cool Hand Luke. Uh, We've got The Sting. We've got Hope Dreams. And we've also got Toy Story. So somehow Toy Story and, and this film went in at the same time. Also, also previous episode of the show, Fast Times at Ridgemont High uh, was inducted into that year as well. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I almost added that in and then forgot. (laughs) (laughs) It's par for the course with this one. You know what I didn't forget this week, friends? Uh, (laughs) A list? I didn't forget a list this week. Oh, I thought there was zero chance we were getting a list. I didn't even look up subsequent (laughs) lists. I was like, like, oh yeah, she's going to forget. Forget again. Forget. I actually didn't forget this time. I know that we all know how I feel about lists, um, that they just uh, waste my time. But how do you two feel about lists? I'm sad when they're not there. <laughs> I I know. I don't, I don't want to see what my life would be like without them, to be perfectly honest. That's fair. Well, how do you all feel about... This top 10 list of Toe Tappen and Blood Curdlin horror movie musicals. Ooh. Uh, I'm excited to hear eight films I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from the um, filmschoolrejects.com, which I've never been on before. And I'm kind of excited to like dig around on this website now because I was pretty excited to... Uh, to find this list, I will say that the little slogan is, we guarantee you will sound great singing these in the shower. And I'm like, sold. I sing in the shower constantly. All right. A website like that could either be really good or really difficult to maneuver because they're just like awful. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. For sure. But I'm hoping that they're awful in a good way. In like a in fun, the fun way. In the maybe? fun way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. If they're a little self-aware of their awfulness. Yes, exactly. Well, it is called Film School Rejects, so you never know. Did they reject it because they suck or because they're terrible? I see that. I don't know because I really didn't look into anything because I was um, at work when I found this. So I guess I needed to do a little actual work. <laughs> I don't think their mission statement is we failed. I think I'm sure they're taking a higher highfalutin reason. <laughs> Who knows? So at number 10, we have Anna and the Apocalypse. Did either of you watch this? I have seen it. I love it. I love it. I think it's lovely. Um, Watch it at Christmas, but yeah. So at number nine, we have The Lore. So go watch that on on Max, HBO Max, whatever the hell it's being called now. (laughs) At number eight, we have... um, uh, Repo the Genetic Opera. So this was this is one of the two I was expecting. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I know Repo. This this movie. Hmm. At number seven, we have Cannibal the Musical. Oh at number six, we have Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. 
And I will say you can find staged versions of this on YouTube. So maybe go go watch that instead. Is the Depp one bad? I never bothered with it. It's it's. I know. Um, well, they don't have people singing Sondheim that can sing Sondheim, so that's kind of an issue just to start oh. out with because Sondheim's already really difficult to sing. Well, and 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 this is where I, I want to get on my high horse of musical theater, and like they basically rip out the chorus, which is pretty vital to Sweeney Todd. So uh, vital. Right. So as much as I was maybe entertained with the storytelling because it's it's Sweeney Todd, um, they kind of fuck up the musical of it. Oh, it's, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's very. Uh, I like Sweeney Todd. I just never felt like I needed to get into that version. You don't. Yeah, you're good. You're good. At number five, we have the beautiful Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay, all right. I thought it might be a little higher, but okay. At number yeah, four. Yeah, it's low. We, it, it is low, but the other ones that come after it, I think, make sense. Um, the next we have, uh, number four, we have The Nightmare Before Christmas. Ah, uh, okay. 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 Fair. Number three. And I don't know if either of you have seen this. Phantom of the Paradise. I have not. No, this is Sam Shepard, though, isn't it, right? I believe so. Uh, no, it's Brian De Palma. Oh, that's yes, that's what I meant. That's what I meant, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I really, really enjoy Phantom of the Paradise. It is so, so stupid, but yeah. <laughs> and number two... My, my man Takashi Miike got in here, friends, because we have the happiness of the Katakuris. It is a super bizarre horror comedy musical that meshes every single genre you could think of together, including claymation. And I highly recommend it. Please watch this movie. Takashi Miike forever. <laughs> and then at number one, we have Little Shop of Horrors. So I was actually pretty impressed that all of our recommendations got onto this list. Nice. It's a great job by everybody. Good job, list. All right. Good job, us. Good job, list. Good job, horror musicals, for for being there for us. And I now count, being that I learned about the lore four minutes before this, I only didn't know about the Takashi one. So I count that as a win. (laughs) Yeah. I would highly I started watching the Takashi Miike one today again just because I was like maybe I'll do that for my recommend instead of the lure and then I realized I'm not going to have enough time to watch this so I'm going to go with the lure because that's what I watched last night but I I would I would it would it's not recommended it's suggested watching Um, but we shall continue Um, so I'll give you a brief plot synopsis of this movie if there is one there's not spoiler alert but so On a dark and stormy night, recently engaged, Brad and Janet find themselves taking shelter in an old castle-slash-mansion-slash-spaceship filled with aliens, humans, and monsters alike. They navigate their way through the world of Dr. Frankenfurter, and over the course of one night, their world is irrevocably changed. That's, like, basically it. Yeah. Yes, yep, got it. As condensed as you possibly can go. I mean, a lot of stuff happens. The time warp happens. Um, They create life. (laughs) There's some non-consensual action happening. So, you know, this movie has a lot of cannibalism as well. Um, But, you know, that's that's the concise, brief, some 
plot synopsis. Oh, I did want to say, we have another movie with a dream ballet, friends. It's amazing. <laughs> we just love our dream ballets. If this was set in downtown LA, it would really be on brand. <laughs> it, performs, not, it, it performed in LA. It does. Yeah. That, does that <laughs> counts? Count it. So I guess, like, to start this out, um, I have a question for both of you. Do either of you have a history with this show? And if so, what is it? So I, I remember the first time this like came into my world. It's a the the Drew Carey show, the sitcom. They did an episode where they all went to see it, and it wasn't playing anymore. And it, they did the whole dance, and that was. I had no idea what to make of it, but it's sticking my stuck in my head, and I watched it last night. Funny, I I don't think I actually saw the movie until probably mid twenties. So you know, I don't remember exactly, um, but I remember seeing it, and um, you know, it was Tim Curry, so that's why I wanted to get on it, and yeah, and I've seen it. This was, and I probably had only seen it. One full time through um, until now. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I, I, I was, I mean, I was a theater kid in high school um, and I had heard of it, but then there was this girl in my year, uh, Ashley, who did, who did theater with me and her mom was a costume designer. Um, and so she, so she was way more of a theater kid than I was. Cause like, she was like, she'd been in it. And so we uh, we were doing the closing night cast party of what is easily the worst show I've ever been a part of in my entire life. Is which it? Was a, is it really? Which was a produ- it, it actually yeah it was it was it was a production of um of Annie Get Your Gun that we cool. did um it, it, at our high school and it was not good but anyway so it was it was closing night we were having the cast party at her place and she, and we had Rocky Horror Picture Show on and um and I, not only was I introduced to the movie. Uh, but I was introduced to all of the various things you say and do when you're watching the movie, uh, of which I know maybe four of them. Um, and I feel like they change them like every year they do. or something. They seem to add a lot. I was, I was looking at it and it was way more than I was. I, I knew of like three or four only. And it's it's substantial. I found out I, this week. Yeah, I was looking it up because I was like, oh, I should have that uh, have a list up. And it was pages and pages and pages and i thought i'll never be able to find what i'm looking for throw it out throw that bit out so we're not going to be going over those today because there was too much to go through who wants to go to the movies and do homework (laughs) sorry (laughs) no it's true no i was just gonna say um and then and then um when i was i think maybe a, a junior in college um at uh and uh kennedy center american collegiate theater festival uh, one of the shows that they did while I was there was Rocky Horror. Um, and so people were dressed up and singing and shit. And um, and I remember that, too, because at the end, after the curtain call, they re- they redid Time Warp. And I got pulled up on stage and did the Ooh. Time Warp with the cast. Um, well, that's pretty oh, that's fun. cool. So that's 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 and, and, and then just having seen it because it's because it's, you know, it's a theater film and it's, it's like a rite of passage. It really is. Um, I alluded to this in last episode, but. Rocky Horror was a, a seminal film for me and in film and musicals when I was growing up. Um, I was always a little weirdo. So I was that kid that loved creepy things and the macabre. I, I didn't quite fit in. 
I mean, like, I literally would run around with a, a... Do you guys know the story of the velvet ribbon where the girl has the velvet ribbon and she takes her it off and her head falls off? Yes, I do. Yes. yes. Yeah, I would wear a velvet ribbon around because I loved that story so much. Like, I I was a weirdo, and that's okay. Seems, but, but, but that's wonderfully on brand. Like, I love that. Yeah, I, it's so weird. I also used to pretend to be um, Snow White dead in her coffin. <laughs> like, I would just do weird shit like that. I was a weird kid. You can ask my mom. And everything changed for me when my uncle, who gave me a lot of movies, he gave me Eraserhead as well. Shout out Uncle Mike. Um, He gave me the Rocky Horror Show, and it blew my mind. I, When I became an adult, or not an adult, let's be real, I was like 15, 16 years old, I started going to the midnight showings, and it was honestly the first place that I really felt comfortable um, dressing up and being rambunctious. Shout out to my mom, who not only helped me put like corsets together and all my costumes, she would go through like the weird lingerie sales rack to see what she thought would be appropriate and comfortable for me to wear and help me get dressed and drop me off. Like, shout out, Teresa, you're the best. And that's amazing. It, it did become a thing for like my friends in high school. We would just go and experience it together. I think I've seen this movie probably 50 times at least. Like it was one of those things that I just continued to to gravitate towards. And then um, also in college, I finally got a chance to do this show. I Magenta was a, a dream role for me because, again, I didn't quite fit into that ingenue. I didn't quite fit into the the this side, you know, like character best friend. But Magenta's something completely different. And so I got to be Magenta. And lo and behold, my husband was cast as Riff Raff. So we literally met uh, during this show. And we've been married for nine years at this point. It was one of the best experiences of my life. I adored the cast so much. Then when my husband and I got married, our Columbia was our flower girl. And <laughs> it's true. No, and our Frankenfurter came to the wedding and we did an impromptu time warp on the dance floor. Like everybody like just did a circle around the four of us and we did the entire thing together and it was magic. So That's I awesome. have like a, a pretty intense history with this movie. That being said... There are a lot of issues with this movie, and I'm actually really excited to get into that and unload that with you both, friends. So I'm, I'm excited to hear your thoughts about this film. So let's just kind of get into it with first thoughts. Like, on this rewatch, did anything stand out to either of you? Uh, I actually, you know, you, you talked about, like, the midnight choice. I, I do wish, even with all, like, the things you have to do, I do wish that was the way I had seen this movie at some point. Like, that just sounds like an experience. Um that I've never done. It's it's pretty fun, I will say. My my sister who is an incredible human, she's not very comfortable with people hugging her and she doesn't really like to be in big crowds. She went to go see it and she and her her very good friend decided they were going to sit in the back row and had no idea what happens in the back row and she was like, "I think people are just making out back here." And I was like, "That's what happens in the back row, Aaron." Come on, why didn't you ask me first? So that was pretty funny to me that she was just had no idea what she was getting into. She didn't dress up. Um, I would not have dressed up either. Oh. Oh, man. Yeah. I think I got into burlesque because of this this show, (laughs) to be perfectly honest. I felt so good dressing up in lingerie and being like, yeah, I'm so free. Uh, You know, 
I, I don't think I've ever like tried to watch this movie from any kind of an analytical standpoint. So like watching it and taking notes was was interesting because I don't think it's it's a movie meant to be consumed that way. But as I was as I was watching it, um, at multiple points throughout the the movie, but when they're towards the end when they're all in the pool and they're you know don't dream it be it, I I just like this 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 movie is uh it's it's kind of it's kind of bubbling up some feelings inside of me. Uh, and I was like, "Let me get a little. It's getting a little hot in this room." And uh, I was like, "This, this movie is 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 just just sexual." Yeah. And, um, oh and, yeah. Uh, but but there's something so so I, I don't know how so lovely about the sexuality in it. And I realize that it's not. It is also chock full of its problems. But yeah, of course. But that that scene specifically of like it's 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 at least as we look at them like three three is it, it's three men and two women in there and they're just kind of all just like hey everybody let's just be in this pool together and i was like yeah yeah and also like but but calm down cuz you're getting me a little a little warm over here and i like i don't know if i can handle this right now um, but but like it really did like there's and like I, I I don't want to step on this yet, but I also uh just just Tim Curry in this is such a fucking revelation. Like I I, I, will, I will I will I won't I'll put a moratorium on this for now, but like just wow. Just wow. Oh, we don't have to put a moratorium on that. We can jump straight into Tim Curry if if everybody wants to, because he is the highlight of this movie. I, I, I'm I'm happy to do that. Yeah, I'm ready for Tim because I want to commit to anything fifty percent as much as he commits to this, and he is unbelievable. I am constantly blown away by him in this role, and um, Frankenfurter in in general is a really bad character. He's a villain that is a cannibal, that is a rapist, <laughs> that is also a um, that did, he does a lot of things, but. There is something so magical about what happens on on screen with Tim Curry, and it really shows you how much charisma he had and how much he put into that role. I was listening to an interview with him, and when he was playing um, Frankenfurter on um, on stage, he said that he found himself getting to the um, getting to the theater earlier and earlier and earlier and earlier before call because he really had to like allow Frank to sink in because he's such a force of nature that he was like, I was kind of finding myself having a hard time getting there and then getting out of it again, which is kind of a scary place to be with a character. But I do think that just proves the strength of this character and what Tim Curry did with it. Like it could have been horrendous. And I'm sure there have been some really bad, bad Frankenfurters out there, but Oh man! Well, didn't they remake this for like channel, like ABC? Do a version oh, of yeah, this like they did. a couple years? And was it a tr- was it awful, or did they just fully castrate it? They, I didn't watch it. I'm gonna be perfectly honest. Um, I didn't watch it, but from it didn't what, seem what worth I read, watching. They updated certain things, but they did not update other things. They did have um, a trans woman, Laverne Cox, playing Frankenfurter, which I think is an a, an incredible choice. Um, but I, and, and Tim Curry was the criminologist, (laughs) but I just couldn't bring myself to watch it because I didn't need it in my life. I already have this. So, so why pollute this with that when this can already just 
kind of make me cringe anyways. Right. You know, I listen, I, Frank's a problematic guy, but I also love his pettiness. Like, <laughs> like, oh, my groupie got a boyfriend, so I'm going to steal his brain. Like, that's just like, that's just next level crazy. And I, I just, I love how he just goes at no point does he feel like he takes a break or he takes a second off. It's it's just wild. He just goes for it. Well, and and I, 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 so I'm something else we'll get to in a little bit. But like, so we when we get to we we're into time warp, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that. And then the song ends, and we just so and and time warp already. If you're if you're not invested here, then just turn it off. But like you're you're in the time warp, and you're and you're doing the thing, and and you're you know your energy's going. It's like cool. We're all here. We're doing the time warp. Whatever the whatever the time warp is, and we're here. And then it it's almost. Iconic. It almost instantly goes into Sweet Transvestite, and um, and just and and the first thing is just how great Tim Curry's voice is when he starts, but then when he goes like, but don't don't get strong out, and he actually starts like singing, and it's like, oh, this guy could fucking sing, and it's it's not just the character, but like he does such a great job of 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 singing the actual pieces in in the show, and and he, I especially in the later parts of the show when I start to really struggle to stay invested in watching it at all. Um, Tim Curry is the single reason why I'm still like interested to see what happens next. It is such a front heavy show. There are so many incredible numbers at the beginning of the movie, like 30, 40 minutes in. And then all of a sudden we have everything in the, you know, with, with, Rocky, which to be perfectly honest, none of that stuff is my favorite. I, I don't Ditto. love the lab scenes. I think they really, really drag. Um, and then it kind of drags until Touch a Touch a Touch a Touch Me, which I think is one of the greatest songs ever. Um, it is such an incredible, incredible moment. Um, Susan Sarandon, my unsung hero, she's so good in this movie. And without her, I do not think Janet would work. Um but then we and then we get to um, the dream ballet, which I love more than anything. So <laughs> it, it, that part works. But there's definitely a point in the middle and even towards the end where it just kind of starts to get really loosey goosey and kind of just falls apart. It really does. It gets less fun for a while. And, and yeah. so much of this movie is how fun it is. Even when it's just kind of there, it's fun. Like you're not sm you're always kind of smiling and you're into it. So. When it gets when it takes that away, it, it's a little bit harder to stay in it for me, at least. Yeah. But Tim Curry, I'm, whenever he pop up, I just love the introduction to him, like the elevators coming down and Janet's so scared and Brad so oh well I'm here so you're fine and then it just pops up and she screams and you just see his face in the coat like it's just a great character reveal. I'm just dropping everything so early today. I've already done my unsung hero. I'm gonna do my favorite shot, which is him in the elevator when he turns around I think it's one of the best character introductions possible he is provocative he is intriguing he commands the screen Frank is evil but he's also so delicious and sexy and I want to be him and I want to be with him and I want to know what's going on in his head and he scares me at the same time all in that like moment right there and it's so cool that that he was able to do that because I don't I give a lot of that credit to Tim Curry I don't necessarily give a lot of that credit to the director because no 
That's all Tim Curry. That's just a force of personality. That's how I feel, too. Because it's it's a really good reveal. Because you don't know what the hell's going on, right? Like, there's just motorcycles, and then you meet a guy, and then they do Time Warp, which is super fun, and I love it, and I watched it, to be completely honest, in the past, like, four days, I've probably heard that song, like, 70 times. Really enjoy it. But, it's see, so you good. don't know what's going on. You're so off-center. And then when the elevator opens, it's... Still doesn't make sense, but it's amazing. Like you're you're in, and I, like Adam said, I think if at time warp you're not invested, bow out because then the next part's just gonna make you walk at it. So, but it's such a good reveal, and then when you know into that his song is at that point, it's just it's really fun and exciting and whatever it is. I mean, to to drop a real real technical term, they they're two bangers right back to back. I mean, time yeah. warp into sweet yes. transvestite, and it's. And and don't get me wrong, like I I am a big proponent of the idea that every musical has the one song you just like. Okay, I'm just not gonna listen to it. I I it's so funny. We actually um uh which is uh, like not even close to this, but we rewatched uh, Hamilton on Disney Plus, my, uh, Melissa and I, because we just we were in the musical state of mind. And for me, it's it's Hurricane in that song. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but whenever it's yeah. just Lin Manuel, I'm like okay, uh, yeah, skip the next song. Uh, you're, I'm good. Uh, and but like this, this has like five. Um, so, uh, but like, but you get like, it's everything from the beginning I, and you're so pretty, you're, it's, it is, it's so front heavy, but, but yes. you, we're, we're treated, we're treated to time warp into sweet transvestite. And it's just, it's just a marvelous, like eight minutes. Well, and then I, you know, I was just thinking about this right now, so I haven't had any time to marinate on this. Um, so it might just be a stupid thing that we can cut at some point. But it's almost as if once we get to the lab, it, it takes so long in the lab. We haven't stayed in a single Forever. area. Yeah, it, it's too long. And it's as if they're trying to make a scene for some reason, like a 10, 15 minute total scene where the rest of the movie prior to and really after is kind of just vignettes. So... It doesn't make sense to me why they needed to have that there. And I understand, I understand where that comes from, obviously. There's a a very large gothic element to this movie that I will get into in a little bit because I did a lot of research on that. But, um, uh, but it, you know, with the Frankenstein's monster and everything, you know, everything that goes with it, but it just, it's too long and it actually doesn't make sense in this film because this film is supposed to be nonsensical. It's supposed to be a bunch of bangers and and kind of like we're along for the ride and i feel like maybe in the lab they're just trying to make it a little too cohesive and it doesn't work even it could have used some cuts to the criminologist like it, it just stayed like it, it yeah like you said because the you know like i was saying at no point do you feel grounded with it then they try to ground it and, you know, wrapping up barbells isn't that interesting like so like that whole thing just you know i I do like the um, the meatloaf part, but... Um, oh, I love that part. That part's... I used to skip it. Now I'm like, no, give me meatloaf. This is such a good song. It's so much fun. Yeah, I like the, like the meatloaf through the ice pick. I'm all in on, but like the Sword of Damascus really... Oh, God. The Sword of Damascus is not good. Yeah. To I, be, I, as, I will... as, it's, as it started today for my like rewatch, my, I watched it three times. Um, I just was on my phone until that song was over. Like that just doesn't does not work for me and it's but it could it be because the prior two songs are just so much fun and engaging that i don't know you'd have to come really hard with the third one and sort of damascus is not it 
Yeah, the sort of Damocles just doesn't really hit. Damocles, um, yeah, sorry. Oh, who cares? We can beat Damascus if we want. Why not? I mean, who? nobody really knows what's going on with this movie anyways. Um, I, I will say that I think one of the reasons that I love um, Hot Patootie so much is because it was a very, very fun number when I did it. The um, the arrangements that we were doing were super fun. So when Neil and I, because Neil watched this with me, I was surprised because usually he won't watch the movies because he's like, I don't want to watch that. Um, but he did watch this one with me, even though he does not like this movie. And during Hot Patootie, we were trying to sing our harmonies because there was like this whole hot patootie i love that rock and roll and um that we all were singing underneath him and we had a really insane set like it was bonkers huge and it was like two stories and there was a slide on it and everybody was supposed to go down the slide at some point but they realized the slide was dangerous and they're like two people can go down the slide and the only people that are allowed to are Britt and neil we're going to let them. So Neil would go down the slide first. And I was so like fast on that slide that he literally had to turn and brace himself because I went flying straight into him every single night. Um, and we did that during Hot Patootie. It was so much fun. I loved it. And so, so I do think that some of these things are just like I'm remembering how incredible it was on stage to sing those harmonies while, you know, Columbia's doing what she does. And, and yeah, Hot Patootie. Give it to me all day. Yeah, I get that, but that—that's you know how we how we react to things is how we remember them, which is great. But I, I do like that. I just really like Meatloaf. So um, there, like I remember, I had no first time I saw this, I had no idea he was in it. It was the mayor from Spin City, Susan Sarandon, Pennywise, and then freaking Meatloaf <laughs> showed up. So I was fired up. <laughs> and man, I gotta say, rewatching it this time, I was like, wow, Meatloaf's really hot in this role. Like he is. Like such a he's he's pretty sexy singing that song. I'm into it. Yeah, I did not think that, but I am happy you <laughs> I did. did. I did for the first time ever. I was like, you know, Meatloaf, you're you're doing it for me right now. This is fine. I, I'm with I'm with Joey on that one. That's totally fine. <laughs> My mom saw Meatloaf in concert and said he really sucked, which made me sad. Ooh. But I, you know, that's of all the. Uh, I, I watched as much, you know, supplemental and behind the scenes stuff as I could. And and Meatloaf was kind of insufferable to listen to about it. Like, it's the same four stories. Like, I met Elvis through doing this. Like, dude, cool. Good for you. I, I, I question I question how true that is, but but good for you, boy. That, that that's amazing. Um and then I I I totally I I know that I knew this and I just blocked it out, but I forgot that uh our boy Barry Bostwick was the original Danny Zuko. I totally forgot about that. On Broad, I, yes. So I'm not a Grease fan, but that's pretty amazing. I didn't know that at all. It's probably because I'm not a Grease fan that I didn't know. Don't that. don't like Grease and think Uh-oh. Meatloaf is sexy. Uh oh. Mm. Bad takes and, machines coming. And it's apparently I hate Paul takes. Newman. So you know. Hate Paul Newman. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I will say, I don't think Meatloaf is sexy. I just think he, 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 last night when I was watching it. You were on record saying that Meatloaf is sexy. Well, you know, whatever, I'll take it. I found Meatloaf sexy as Eddie last night. It's that studded jacket, yo. And he's like, gets off and he like, like kind of like pushes his saxophone aside. And I'm like, you've got so much like charisma right now, man. 
Um, Just saying that that saxophone would be so cold it would be unplayable. But <laughs> yeah, I, you I agree. have now and that reed. There's no way he was like uh, he he watered that devastated. reed at all, would, man. No, no. And you know when you're dead, you don't make saliva. But anyway. Mm-hmm. You're, yep. we're, we're just back to back that Paul Newman, the greatest eyes in movie history, you don't like. Meatloaf <laughs> is sexy. That's just the no, content we're I... putting out here, folks. At 1001 by one on Twitter, on Instagram. What do you think? Are you team Joey that Paul Newman is sexier? Or are you team Britt that Meatloaf is sexier? Let's get a poll going and see who thinks what. Well, you know, this has been great. Uh, I guess I'm out now. Uh, have, have fun. Have fun finding a new Ooh. new host. Uh, hopefully they will out, think Paul Newman just... is sexy. I do think Paul Newman is sexy. He's so sexy. Oh, my God. Oh, someone's changing it. <sighs> so this is yeah. going off the We're rails, just like the movie. <laughs> you know who we all agree is sexy is Tim Curry. Yes. Oh, my yes. God. Yes. Yeah. I want to I tell you what I think is my... My favorite m- lyric in, in a song, um, uh, it it makes me laugh so hard because I, I, I now realize that science fiction double feature is the actual like opening of the show, but Damn It Janet, which is what I consider to be the real first song, is is so funny and it's so it it it, it and it's like this song is gonna the song and the performances are gonna tell you exactly just how silly and nonsensical this is, but. Um, this, I just want to. I'm gonna read the line. I'm not gonna try to sing it. But he goes, "Here's the ring to prove that I'm no joker. There's three ways that love can grow. That's good, bad, or mediocre. It's fair. And, and it's it, unbelievable. It. And again, they tried to take notes on this movie, but I'm listening Impossible. to the song. And I, 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 I had to pause on it and go, did he just rhyme Joker with mediocre? And I, I rewound it and I listened again. And I was, I, I was laughing so hard. I had to rewind it a third time just so I could kind of get back on track because I, it's just so funny. It's, and then, and actually it's so funny, but then it's so brilliant because we're getting, we're getting the damn it, Janet. And then we get all the Obrads. Oh, it's nicer than Betty Monroe had. Oh, Brad. Now we're engaged, and I'm so glad. It's oh, Brad. The rhyme scheme is in this is pretty fun. It's just, yeah, it kind of sets you up for where you're going. That things are going to be off kilter, but they're going to be fun, and they all work. Like, there's no like absurd stretches, but like, you know, Joker to mediocre is just a really funny stretch, and it, uh, it it's really good way. It's a just a really funny opening song that somehow works in here. It really does. I'm so this is a thought I had when I did the show. And I am interested, Adam, if you agree with this, or if you if you have any opinion about this at all. But do you think that Rocky Horror is kind of like a pantomime, at least based on the structure of the pantomime? Because and and I (laughs) no, it's actually an uh, a British uh, a British form of um, it's usually a musical comedy that has um, it's like an interactive theater with partic- audience participation it's very encouraged. It always includes songs, gags, slapstick, dancing. There's almost always a dame, which is a cross-dressing character, a prince, a princess, a villain, a sidekick. It just while I was um, kind of when I was doing the show, I I felt like oh my gosh, there are so many 
things that that do live in a pantomime that you can find here. Uh, oh, that's awesome! I didn't know that. I didn't know that as a concept. I'm I'm over here being an asshole trapped in a box. <laughs> <laughs> I only really know it because my husband used to do them. It's, no, well, that's, and, that's really cool. And you can you can trace that back to like Commedia and the stock characters. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What, and and I mean and God, it's that's like there's there's an answer to this where it's yes because there's there's always there's young lovers and there's something trying to keep them apart. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I, 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 I mean, I have to mull it over. I, I don't know. This feels more like sketch in a way, and and, the, and sketch can have that too. But yeah, I just feel like it, there's something that feels very British to me in certain parts oh, of it. Oh, for sure. Sh- oh, totally. You know, and I think that's why I over sketch. I kind of go towards pantomime. Um, you know, I've been in a pantomime as well. I'll never do it again, but uh, but they are, they, especially with um, audience, and of course, this came after the fact. They didn't start with the audience reaction and audience interaction when this um, began, but it happened naturally, and if you've ever been to a pantomime, you yell back at the stage all the time. You interact. There's always constantly things going wrong on stage on purpose. Like, um, I remember somebody telling me about a Peter Pan where the Peter Pan got stuck in the harness and like flipped over and the actors came out on stage and were like, this isn't, this is actually serious. This was not planned. Give us a second. And the whole audience thinks it's really funny. And then like, and the guy thought it absolutely that happened. And then the next day it happened again. He was like, oh, they're just really good at pantomime because I actually believed them. So there were just so many elements in this that, that remind me of that. That's all just an idea i thought of no i i think i mean i I think it's a totally sound uh comparison to make so you know as we continue with uh with rocky horror um you know the history of this show is kind of intense with like richard o'brien was an out-of-work actor he actually had been in Jesus Christ Superstar. He was like the understudy for Herod and he got fired because they didn't want him to do an Elvis impression. Um, <laughs> and he was an out of work actor and he started writing this because he wanted to do something completely different than Jesus Christ Superstar. And because he wanted like he said, because the winter nights were long. And I don't think anybody anticipated it becoming what it is today. Well, I mean, I think he got, I mean, I mean, yes, obviously. I think the fact that he was able to pitch it to, to get it performed, was it at the, the upstairs at the, um, Mm -hmm. at the, the, was it the Royal Court Theater? I believe so. Which is like, I mean, I I mean, even back then, I still don't think it would have been like that easy. It's like, oh, my show's performing in the the Royal Court Theater. Um, So the fact that it got that kind of quick, um, leverage to be to be seen uh is is really impressive i mean and then so yeah it's got it's kind of is a true underdog story of just like i I wasn't getting work so i i i made my own art and and it's always i mean you know there we're countless you know i mean i mentioned lin-manuel miranda with and you go back to in the heights or like ben Ben affleck and matt damon with goodwill hunting there's plenty of examples of like we're just gonna we're not getting the work we want so we're just gonna make it do something yeah, cannibal. <laughs> it's, it's pretty admirable. It's it, it's admirable. It's what us 
theater people want. We we want something that's going to la- uh, maybe outlast us, right? But many of us do not get that opportunity to create something that impactful. And this is, I think this had the longest running theatrical release. Uh, you know, it was very quickly wiped out of the week, uh, like the weekend that it came out, it was already out of theaters. But then uh, let me see. I have it in my notes. I believe it was so 27 um, years once a week in Germany or something. My God, that's that's pretty remarkable that it's it was able to create such such a significant fan base across the world. You know, it's and in like a cult classic film is a film that generates a significant or highly dedicated fan base over the course of time, but wasn't successful in its initial run. So this feels like the most quintessential cult film out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's something that, you know, initially looks like one thing and turns into this absolute, like, weird icon of, like, of the, you know, midnight shows, beam, what, every version of what this is, that this should not be something we're talking about realistically now, 40 years later, is really impressive. And I, I, I do think so much of the casting is really good. Like, the fact that you have Susan Sarandon really young really helps. <laughs> you know, like, familiar faces. Tim Curry's just at another level, which we've talked about, and I'm sure we'll keep talking about him. It's just everything really kind of hit, and it turned, and it works with people. I mean, it has, like, a culture around it, which is wild. It does. I mean, it, and it's it's easy to just kind of think about Rocky Horror as just an entity and, and thinking about how, how iconic it is. But when you really sort of take out some of the individual components of it, I mean, Tim Curry specifically as Frankenfurter and how iconic that is, the time warp and how iconic that is, the, the fucking lips at the opening yeah. of the show and how iconic that is, it's... It really, you know, and I was, I was, I was thinking about this. I, I, sometimes I'll just have like little internal monologue fights with myself, and I was thinking about like iconic characters and some of our, some of our most talented actors, like well respected, well trained, and and well lauded actors who, I wouldn't even say have an iconic character that they've played. And Tim Curry got to do it with Rocky Horror Picture Show as Frankenfurter. Like that's that's awesome like and because it's you know tim curry you know posts this like yeah, sure he's in clue you know he does get some he he is in some memorable things but then like you know he he's in congo he's in charlie's angels for like four minutes like you know he doesn't get to do exactly all the stuff that i think his talent could have could have gone to oh yeah um but he's a you know, creep in home alone too <laughs> Sure, I forgot. What a, what a highlight real moment for Tim Curry. I don't know. Long John Silver in the Muppet Treasure Island. Come on. That was my first exposure to him. Love it. But I, I just, I, I mean, in so many ways, it really, this really shouldn't have worked. I mean, no. and, and, uh, and it's and it's always fun to see something like this succeed, not just because I'm a theater person, but because like, it, it shouldn't. Like, it sh- exactly. It shouldn't. And like, and the fact that it didn't just succeed, but it has this this decade lasting cult following. I mean, and this really could have been a career killer. Like, you know, Susan Sarandon. Like, I, I mean, her eighties. I mean, granted, her whole career, but like, she was in everything in the eighties, and like, well, obviously, would win her Oscar. But like, 
this could have really been the last thing that she did. And it was just the start of her career. Well, and I'm not sure if either of you heard the little tidbit, but I find this really interesting. So originally, um, Jim Sharman was offered like a huge amount of money, massive budget to do this film. But they wanted him to hire American rock stars um, or or just rock stars in general, because David Bowie's not American, obviously. Um, but they wanted like Mick Jagger in a role as well. And he insisted on bringing the original cast with him because he didn't want to do the show without them. And so they said, okay, you can do that, but you need American actors. So that's why they hired Barry Boswick and Susan Sarandon. And Susan Sarandon wasn't a singer. She actually had like intense stage fright. And the only reason she was asked to audition is because she went to go see her good friend, Tim Curry, while he was on set. And they and she was like, oh, I don't want to sing. So they had her sing Happy Birthday and they offered her the role. And I just think she is just incredible in this. I, I love I love her. I love her. I, I have a, an issue with Barry Bostwick. I think, unfortunately, it's just the way Brad's written. Brad's real freaking boring. And it's very hard to make that role interesting. And I'm just thank God. It needs to be boring, though. There, there needs to be someone boring and vanilla. There has to be. It's Janet's journey within Have you Frank's heard his world. song that they cut uh, from the movie? What's it? No. Uh, what's it? And that's I, all the time that it takes. So, Joey, it takes, it's actually, he sings it uh, when, uh, basically after he's had his little tryst with uh, Frankenfurter. Um, okay. But, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a ballad, but it's not, it's not great. And I, I, and I agree, I think he is kind of meant to be the punch bag. Although, it's so, like, after, after sweet transvestite it really ends although again i will just want to give one shout out to one of my other favorite lines after the time warp is ended and she's like say something he's like say any of you know how to madison that's one of my favorite <laughs> lines because he's still the ha- he's just a happy idiot just yep yep this is all fine and he just like this the look on his face as he says the madison he turned around and they're all laid out on the ground exhausted it's just it's 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 and he's he's it's got this really look funny like, like that was a good question i broke that ice that's an appropriate question for this group. It feels like Janet is um, is definitely like the damsel in distress in this um, in this scenario, uh, which is a gothic trope, um, like many other things in this. But it also feels like there's a lot of animosity against Janet, um, specifically with crowds of people, because like yes, we we all yell at Brad and call him an asshole. That's fine. But specifically, we call Janet a slut whenever, like, her name is said, when you're doing the callbacks. And that feels really fucked up to me. Just because Janet is, Janet's having a sexual awakening, which is amazing, incredible, and let's allow people to have those sexual awakenings. And let's not slut shame people for doing that, especially when she's not even the person who has sex with the most people in the movie. That's Frank. And it's... I don't know. I got a little bit annoyed when I was reading about that today because I was like, allow her to have this sexual awakening. Don't call her a slut. And also, maybe she wants to own her sluttiness. Come on. Well, and even, you know, even when she kind of talks about, you know, the lack of it, she gets made fun of for that, too, within Mm -hmm. the world by, uh, you know, by the other women. So it's lose lose for our heroine. Well, and there's an entire song about how Frank thinks she's just kind of disgusting. Where he chases her up the stairs. You better, you better wise up, Janet Weiss. Which I, 
I don't like I don't like that song. I I like it until they get into the like don't get hot and flustered and and do that whole thing. I just think, oh god, this is too much is happening. This why are we doing this? This is exhausting. It, it's just that it's it's you know with Tim Curry and Susan Sarandon up until that point, I'm fully in on everything they do. So um, except you know bored in the lab, but still with their characters, I'm in. Um, that, yeah. You know, I thought when it was the two of them, I would be more into it. And it, it just felt like a letdown with like those those two's energy going at each other. Yeah. I will say that this seemed like a real uh, uh, a, a real shit show of a, of a film to make. And not just from the uh, from what like the actors were talking about in the making of. But like you can so blatantly see their breath when they're filming. Oh, and yeah. I I. I just, just how how miserable of a shoot that probably was for for majority of the time. It yeah, for I sure. Mean, they and said I there didn't... was just one. There was one warm room, and it went on fire. So they were just screwed. And the only reason they got the warm room is because Susan Sarandon had pneumonia and a fever, and was like, I literally have to be able to warm myself up because I'm so sick, and it it really bums me out that. Everyone's like, she was a consummate professional. She still came in to work when she had pneumonia. And it's like, how dare you? How dare you not say, no, you need to go to the hospital right now? We Like, I get it. The production needs to go on. But she could have died. <laughs> Pre-COVID. Just, no, you just went to work sick. That's and they're, true. They're clearly, it's, it's so funny. We were just talking off mic about this a little bit. It's like. There are plenty of scenes where she's not in it. Just figure it out. Just rearrange right, time shit. it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know that. Yeah, I don't think there was a lot of that. I don't think that they were able to maneuver things well. But I know you I know what? That's I, how... bet, I bet they stopped for tea. Probably. The English do love their tea. Fucking. You know what they should have stopped for? I'm sorry. It's all right. It's it's true. You know what they should have stopped for? To teach Rocky how to be in a movie. <laughs> Poor Rocky. He's so bad. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, just really bad. Awful. And he, listen, Tim Curry is on is in like another level here. Susan Sarandon, Barry Bosswood, great. And then there's Rocky. I have made many mentions. I am not an actor. I have no talent or anything. I could do. I could be a better Rocky than Rocky. Like what a bad job. I think this movie is really good cast across the board. And then Rocky, they're just like, do you have abs and no personality? Come on! Oh my god, Joey, you have the charisma to pull off a Rocky for sure. <laughs> I am so into this casting. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he wasn't an actor and he wasn't an actor after. He opened like an, an antique shop, right? So, you know, I think... I don't believe him was... as a person, though. Like, <laughs> I don't... <laughs> Like, I don't believe that. Like, I, if I walked into this man's antique store, is he going to be, like, oh, kind of squirrely looking over? Like, and uh, one of my favorite parts about this movie is how during, like, the dance scenes, not everybody was, like, super in sync like real people would be. But Rocky, it's like he forgot his legs what to do at times. Like, he was, it was so bad. Like, maybe let's do a second take for this guy or maybe let's find someone with an ounce of ability to move their legs and arms at the same time because... I think I, I would watch five minutes of this man trying to chew gum and walk. Because I don't think he could do it. I 
I got to be honest, like the performer in me, it drives me crazy when you when they're out of sync. Um, I'm just mostly like, do I like it except do it, for Rocky. Do it again. But like in the time warp, it's like it, it adds to the charm, I think. Right. That's I, fine. I, yeah. I yeah, I agree. It, that's that's fine, all the time that warp. that's the. Right, but that's the charm, and that but that's one of the many many reasons the time warp is such an effective part of this. When they're doing be, be, this before the pool, Rocky is so off. It I literally couldn't look his way. As he was all the way on the left of the screen, I couldn't look his way because it took me out of it. I'm sure he was also incredibly uncomfortable, and there was no no chance that anybody was even going to attempt to make him feel more comfortable with the things that were happening. Because I just well, don't fine. think that they I'm have not capacity gonna... for that. No, but, he, you know, he signed up. He was there. That wasn't day one. I'm not going to fucking allow this man to call the ambulance because he's trying to ruin a scene. <laughs> You're going in hard, man. So is he... Okay, so so if we have, like... We have, you know, unsung heroes and everything. Is he, like, your worst part oh, of Rocky Horror? Oh, he's my LVP. Horror? Oh, yeah. Oh, if we... If we did LVP, he would be like my aggressive LVP. And in the best picture cast world, I, I'm kind of known for going in hard on my LVPs. And I mean, he's just, he's so bad. Like, why anybody thought this person could do this? Because, and again, Frank is probably realistically near impossible to cast, right? Like, and they oh. lightning in a bottle with Tim Curry. Rocky is one of the easier things on earth to cast. All you need is a good-looking person with charisma who can walk. That's all you need, and they failed. In heels, in heels. Walking in heels is not fun, I will say. But okay, but again, you, you, you know, you're assuming someone who looks like that is athletic and can learn and pick up quickly. Again, easiest casting in the movie, and it's the only casting place that they failed, I think. I mean, yeah, I have to agree. He'd probably be my LVP as well. Which you feel bad about, but he does kind of just suck. He takes me out of it. Whenever he's in there, I'm like, oh, you know, and I, I, Susan Sarandon, the titillating song is fantastic, but then it's against him. And I'm like, oh, this is, he's awful. It's, it's, she's poor, poor woman singing her heart out to cardboard with blood. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I can't. I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't disagree with, with any of that. And it's, it just, and it further, it, yeah, it's just, it's so, I mean, and I, 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 I'm trying to wrap my mind where it's like, well, maybe like the point is, is that he's so lifeless and, and idiotic and can't really do those things because he's, you know, he's hours old, but like, there's just something about the, the literal performance of it that makes it, it, it's, it's pretty it's bad it's 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 bad it's not good you could do that and make it watchable well i mean i think everybody else's performances other than frank because frank is incredible like it's just on another par but everybody's doing like b movie acting right they're not supposed to be good but it works everywhere else and with him it's almost like oh this is uncomfortable any of you know how to madison Perfect. Brad, I want to go. We'll just uh, say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any... Oh, there's a line... Hold on. There's a line... When, he, when he's doing that, um, we're, I'm glad we caught you at home. 
can we use your phone? He goes, we're both in a bit of a hurry. Did you, the way he hits both, it's like, no shit. Is it just you? Are you just aiming to get out of there? We're both in a bit of a hurry. <laughs> so true. Listen, he's newly engaged. He's trying not to be selfish anymore. <laughs> Even though three minutes earlier, he was going to leave his fiance in the car in a dead end with random motorcycles going on. Have either of you ever seen a movie called um, The Old Dark House from 1932? No. Can't say I've ever fired that one up. Okay, so it's it's a James Whale movie. It's incredible. I recently watched it. I didn't I didn't expect to enjoy it because it's from 1932 to be perfectly honest. I was like, "Oh, okay." And Rocky Horror owes so much specifically to that movie. Because it follows a group of strangers who get stranded in the middle of the night during this, like, intense rainstorm. And they have to go seek shelter in the only place available, which is this old mansion. And in this mansion, it's, like, just filled with these queer-coded, very strange characters and very closely, like, guarded secrets that are totally unfurled at night. And it's a very quick watch. It's like 100 or not 100. It's like 80 minutes or something like that. And it's wonderful. I watched it the other day and I thought, this is magic. How have I not seen this movie before? So um, I don't like in in science fiction double feature, which I do love. And I think I probably love it because I love singing it. um, They talk about anywhere between like 10 and 15 movies but they never mentioned the old dark house. And I think that's such a mistake because it, I don't think that this movie would exist without the old dark house. It, it's basically the same plot without aliens. Wow. Interesting. I mean, it's not basically the same plot. It has very similar plot. Right. You know, I think areas. You know what movie I have seen and, uh, and rewatched again uh, is a, it's a little movie called shock treatment. Uh, have, have you, have you seen, have you seen shock treatment a long time ago? Yes, I have seen shock treatment. Um, I mean, I, I, I knew it was bad with the first time I watched it, but I was like, yeah, yeah I'm in the world. Gotta, gotta kind of go back to Denton and, and, and see what's, what's going on. It and it's it's so funny, like how I mean, literally the they 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 got so lucky to catch lightning in a bottle with with Rocky Horror, and it, it it's just there's nothing, it, there's just it's not fun. And actually, I think what makes Shock Treatment kind of pale in comparison is it's trying to actually be very obvious about what it's about. Um, oh, right. And uh, or at least in my opinion, like it's there's so much yeah, about yeah. consumerism and mass media and what it's what it's doing to us. Reality TV. Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, and it's not that the, like you can do that, but it just didn't it didn't work in that format with these characters and and it, it just it wasn't it wasn't for me and um and and I just like Richard o, Richard O'Brien just really you know and, and and hey he wrote he wrote this thing. That, you know, almost what, not 50, almost 50 years later, we're still talking about. So, like, that's... It's amazing. Yeah. But not shock treatment. (laughs) Not that one. I can't recommend shock treatment to anybody. No. No, I would tell people not to watch it. I saw it once and I will never go back to it again. There's just no point. Yeah. Like, what? Right. No. You know, and and Richard O'Brien, 
I love him as Riff Raff. Like, yeah. I think he's a lot of fun. Um, and I like that he's, you know, he's the introduction to the house. And um, I love him in Time Warp. I, just throughout, I, I just love <laughs> I just love him. He's in and out. He's just very funny. He's really good. Oh, yeah. When he... When he starts belting in time warp, it just it's it, great. Like if if you're like I would say like don't be trying to take a drink when he's about to sing because if you do you're gonna fucking throw it all over your face. Like he is, he just I remember. It's like whoa, okay, dude, you are going, you are swinging for it. I love it. Yeah, and you know what he wrote that for, and he nailed it, and good for him. Uh, nothing but respect. I really like him, and um, time warp kills it. I love. Every like I love Time Warp. I love Riff Raff and Magenta in particular, and I always felt really drawn to them. Um, it's there. There's something very interesting about their characters. Uh, elbow sex. I got yeah. to do the elbow sex. It was so fun. Um, and like we did a whole thing where you know because Neil and I were just trying to upstage each other for a while, and that's how we ended up getting together. But. Um, there was a very fun moment where they're like, okay, and now you do elbow sex and leave, but you have to leave like you're aliens. So we made it that elbow sex was like turning us back into the aliens. And then we like, we're slinking off stage. It was so weird, but it was so fun (laughs) to be able to just like explore that aspect because like in the movie, to be perfectly honest, I love Patricia Quinn. I think she's wildly underused. Yeah. Like they, they well, her her and Columbia, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very they're so, so good, and and that's in the script. Like they're just kind of throwaway characters in the script. So you got to do something with that. And luckily, you know, we were allowed to do something with that. You know, I was allowed to just climb all over the stage because my director really liked me and was like, "I totally, fully trust you. Don't fall." And I was like, "No problem, I won't." But we were putting ourselves in these weird positions. We were trying to like trying to claw out at the audience um but i just don't think they had that opportunity and the fact that her song was taken away from her at the beginning because it magenta doesn't have much to do so the fact that you're gonna take away science fiction double features so richard o'brien can sing it i understand why they did it there's this androgyny with it that's really lovely at the beginning and if you like don't get into it right then you're probably not going to get into the movie but i find it really sad that they were like oh sorry not only are we going to take your song away, we're not really going to give you an opportunity to do anything else in this movie. That that bums me out. Like, yeah, and she signed on for the song. Yeah. Yes, that's that's <laughs> tough. So, but it I is a you know, really she, fun she, song to sing. Yeah, it's a good song, but she's the one character where I do, I, I was left wanting more from. Where I was like, ah, they probably could have thrown her a bone somewhere. And then I found out that they took her song and I was like, oh, that sucks even more. She doesn't do much, but I liked her. And when she was there, I I was into it. Yeah. She's very committed. Yeah. I mean, even like it's and it's fun to watch actors having fun. Like even when she's just throwing the switch to make everybody statues, like there's a glee that you can see on her face and she, and she, it, and without that, like, you know, why, why should we buy this moment? But like, because she's, there's, there's a thrill to it for her that it, it, it helps. It, it pulls you in. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. One of my, one of my silly things that I, I enjoy is, so obviously we get the whole, um, at the beginning, you know, Tim Curry is the priest and, uh, Richard O'Brien is 
the the just the farmer guy in the background, but he's got he's got the pitchfork, yeah, very iconic. And then his his weapon at the end is basically just in the shape of a a pitchfork, which again, like unless I've never watched this movie critically before, looking for any kind of recurring motifs i'm just waiting for the bangers to come out but uh that was funny when i recognized that that was a, a throwback to the the pitchfork at the beginning i thought that was that was fun that's pretty good it it might have been an accident though i'm not sure i'd give this uh this movie that much credit <laughs> that is a fair point that's a fair point uh, they did the laser trident on purpose it was thoughtful i'm not sure of the reason but it was on purpose and they nailed it i love the continuity of past and future Good job, it. riffraff. <laughs> um, oh, God. I mean, okay, so we've talked about a lot of things that we enjoyed. We're kind of tiptoeing around the problematic aspects of this movie because there are a lot of them. Um, should we maybe dive into that a little bit? Because, oh, boy, this movie has not aged well and actually made me consider, like, when it comes to problematic media, there's the idea of reclaiming it and reconfiguring it or allowing it to kind of just slip away and say that was a product of its time, but we don't really need it to be around anymore. Well, so, I, would, I would say uh, as the only non-straight white male on the podcast, uh, maybe you maybe you should guide us through that, <laughs> Britt. Yeah, cool. sounds right. <laughs> Okay, so like, and I am, I'm a, I am, I am a straight woman, like I'm a straight cisgender woman. So this movie is like, I am happy to take a backseat to somebody, to anybody who is gender fluid, to anybody that is trans, to anybody that is a part of the LGBTQ plus um, society. Like it's, it's not, this isn't necessarily my place to talk about things, right? And when I was rewatching this movie, both my husband and I, and he is also a cisgender, straight, white male, we were kind of shocked with some of the things that were happening. The first thing I'll bring up is, like, consent. Holy fucking shit, does consent exist in this movie? Not only are they ripping everybody's clothes off, like Janet and Brad, it is played for laughs, but they just undress them. They just undress them, and, you know, Brad stands there and goes, yeah, this is fine. Janet puts up a fight, and he basically tells her to stop fighting it which i think is horrific um rocky was born uh seven hours before specifically so that frank could have sex with him and he doesn't really understand what's happening to him so how can he consent to that and then frank uses trickery to put force himself into bed with both brad and janet and yes they do say yes in the end but i think that could have been a much more I would very much prefer if it was something that they both um, were able to consent to from the beginning. Like it, it, watching it now, it does kind of give me that ick factor. That's the first thing I'd like to bring up. So if you have any thoughts or ideas as I just dump this all on you. Well, it's 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 funny that you that you love with consent. Not funny, but but just kind of interesting because literally today I was doing uh, an online training through the intimacy directors and coordinators group, and I just I was certified as a um, uh, consent forward artist today. I took that's my amazing. Quiz Congratulations! And I, and I passed. Um, and it's 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 funny because it's hard to. For me, it's it's tricky because I'm trying to separate both the story 
that that or lack thereof that Rocky Horror Picture is trying <laughs> to tell versus um, the what the actors themselves as people were going through. Um, and I don't have much on that to say. So when we stick to the 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 world of the story that we're getting, it's it's really hard to make any kind of definitive um, like hard statement on it because it's so. It, the root, the the story is so nonsensical and ultimately as you said played for comedic effect that is it cringe yes but it's also it's not like i'm watching the scene in irreversible where they oh, fucking do, 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 I, and i, I realize exactly that what you mean yeah and yeah. so it's it's tricky and this is and this is where with with and I, I i guess this is a comedy and i'm i'm not trying to be funny i i don't know i guess it is um it, 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 it's so hard to like make a like I, and none of us are trying to do this necessarily but like make a hard and fast ruling on no. how this this movie gets to be seen um and and you mentioned the 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 two scenes where where Tim Curry is pretending to be both the other ones I actually I think that scene is I I love how that's played for comedic effect yes it's so so yeah so it's 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 tricky I, I, and I don't know that I have a real strong stance on it other than to be like, yes, <laughs> it, it's, 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 right. it's it, yeah. I think where I fall on it is that I think that we could still have those scenes with Frank, but I really, really would have preferred because this whole movie is about people finding their sexuality. And I'll be honest, like, I'm sure, like, honestly, I probably found that, like, I was a sexual being through this film. Like, this, oh, I was a young like little Catholic girl who didn't have any idea what was happening in the world until I saw this movie. So it would have just been really nice if it was more of like people discovering their sexuality and allowing themselves to follow their desires. Kind of like Frank is showing them um, during the dream ballet. I'm just going to call it the dream ballet from now on because that's what it is. And, um, but, but there are so many scenes in the movie that don't quite lead up to that and and that's just it it bums me it bummed me out this last time that I watched it it was one of those things where I was like oh man I wish I wish it wasn't like that yeah no I, I agree with I have nothing to add you guys said everything you know well but like even Rocky was created because you know Camille wanted to date Eddie right he felt rejected so he took half his brain and <laughs> Like there's just it's all it's a lot of things. So I just I I couldn't I like what Adam said. I couldn't really land. Totally. A lot of things. Yeah. And I don't think I'm correct in any of this stuff. This is just you know like ideas no, yeah, that I course. I thought when I was watching this movie again. And and I also honestly went through a lot of like forums, a lot of Reddit forums of like what did, what is, did different communities think of this movie? And and it was really eye opening for me. Um, the next thing I do want to talk about, and again, disclaimer, I am not trans, therefore I cannot speak to the trans experience. I have trans friends and I greatly love them and I respect them and I will gladly step aside so that the queer community can take control of this narrative. But the trans representation in this movie isn't necessarily the best. And I had a hard time with this one too, because... Frank isn't necessarily trans in this film. He is a, and I'm going to use some very outdated terms at this point, so I do apologize for anybody who doesn't want to hear them, but transsexual itself is a planet in Transylvania, and they are called transvestites. Like, they're aliens, and that's what it's supposed to be. But, you know, and we don't use these terms nowadays, and yes, this film came out 40 years ago. It 
to a point I don't think that we can ever hold an old movie to the standards of today because because things are fluid and changing all the time and that's the incredible thing about about film we can see where where we've come from right but that doesn't mean that it's any less damaging for people watching it now and I think what the issue I have because I love Frank but it's also not great representation and it's because he's a monstrous trans character because even if he doesn't even if he's an alien in this, he is queer coded. He's queer coded as a trans person. And it's, it's, Frank falls less and less into the idea of gender nonconformity and sexual awakening and more into deviancy. So you can have a character that is monstrous who is also trans, but the damage comes in. What I was thinking is the damage comes in when that trans character is monstrous in nature. And that comes from being trans, right? So he's not able. It, it's it it's said so so much more eloquently other places, but I just feel like there is a pretty harmful way that that Frank can be seen as. And there are some people that said that Frank was their sexual awakening and and just the most incredible thing they'd ever seen. And other people that said, I was experiencing, like I, I actually didn't have gender euphoria. I actually went back in the closet because I was worried that people would only see me as as this type of person. And that is where I think I I, I, I have a, a really hard time with, with Frank right now. Um, and I, I think a lot of that also stems politically from the fact that we live in a world right now in a nation that is actively trying to take away basic human rights and medical needs for trans individuals um, and and do not want them to be active members of the of society and are passing laws to ensure that they are, are in danger. Um, so I guess maybe I, I was letting my political side come into it when I was watching it this time. But that was really hard for me. I don't I don't know. It was just rough. And I, I said a lot there. So I'll stop now. But, you know, f- for me and and again, I this is I coming from my very specific point of view. I, I think what the the line that makes it and it's less about less about Frank, but more about. And, and this is a and yeah, transvestite is a is a dated term, but yeah. for trans people, there's 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 a really I, what I love it's it's right in the opening part of the um one of his songs. Don't get strung out by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. And even though that's early on, and then we we you know we see Frank in the in the course of this ridiculous film do some stupid shit. That like I think that 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 ultimately is part of what you need to take from this movie is totally like. Yeah, we we see we see Frank wearing like a, a corset and an underwear and and uh, fishnet stockings, but and like and yes and yes, in the world of this movie, they are aliens. They just want to go back to their home planet. Whatever. I mean, it, it's a bit bonkers to say this movie has a plot, but I always I always kind of fall back to that that line, and whether or not people cling to it or not, that's. That's what I try to, and 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 that's the kind of thing where like we could, and I don't want to even refer to this movie. But we could all watch a movie, and like two of us could walk away going, "Oh, that was great." And I could walk, and and then I, but I could walk away going, "Like, no, I really did not like the way that that was shot totally. or handled or whatever." Um, so for me, for me to say that like, don't judge a book by its cover, which is probably one of the oldest, most overused adages of all time. 
Um, the way and because it's because it's Tim Curry singing it as this character. That's that's what I cling to. That's what yeah. I walk away from. And I I wish I could cling to that now. It's just I'm having a difficult time with it. Yeah, I mean I, I'm I'm again at the same place as Adam and probably similar experiences and you know and Frank is just more sad to me than evil too. But I get it. But you know. You know, I appreciate everything you're saying, Brit. It's just I think oh. I fall with Adam. Yeah, yeah. But I definitely, I, you know, well, and and <laughs> very and, thoughtful and, about. It. I appreciate that. Well, and no, and and Brit, you bringing up kind of politically, like where we are with with states actively trying to take away rights from trans people. It's actually one of the reasons why I I actually enjoyed watching this movie even more because in my in my own way I felt like yeah, fuck you. Everybody, yeah. try, I mean, and I realize that this is not a one-to-one comparison, Rocky Horror Picture oh, Show, yeah. and trans people struggling with living in this country today. But there was just a little bit of like, this is like, anybody who's so against it, it's like, and who wants to find that comparison, like, well, guess what? This isn't the fucking national fucking film registry, so you're stuck with this. You're stuck right. with this and yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, you yeah. know what? <laughs> yeah, you, and good, fuck them. Because like, you know, there is a piece of like, you know, is. Is uh, Brad that far off from someone who would buy a Bud Light to shoot it and get mad at it because he's an idiot? So, you know what? The fact that, um, you know, Frank has all the power in that relationship kind of makes me happy as we're talking this through because you're right. Maybe at the beginning of the movie he would have done that. But I think by the time we get to superheroes, he might not do that at all. Oh no, he definitely wouldn't. By the end, he'd be he'd be blown away that people get this mad about a TikTok video that they're never going to see because they're really stupid. But um, yeah, but not by the end. By the end, I agree with you. So yeah, right. And I think that like the monstrous trans character is something that like we should just erase from our tropes. We don't need it anymore. I just want to see trans characters as as just normal people because trans people are normal people. It's well, just Well let everybody you know, be monsters. Yeah. Because be, everybody I, are monsters. And I do think that was a trope that was high I mean, um um oh God, I think now I'm, I don't want to get this wrong. I think like De Palma's Dress to Kill. Is, yep, that's a I was huge, just about to say Dress hu- to Kill. Huge, huge Oh really? I haven't seen that. Yeah. It, well, well, uh, yes. Sorry. Sorry. Well, okay. Yeah. No, it's fine. We'll, we'll, You're not spoiling it. it. We won't talk about <laughs> the whole movie, but, but yeah, but, no. But it, it, and so when you, when you actively, and, and that's a, that's a, that's a great example of a movie that's serious in tone, trying to be very scientific and, uh, and factual about things when it, it does come across as very transphobic. I mean, yeah. like that, that's a prime example of like, 80s transphobic right there on display yeah Uh, and so silence of the lambs also does fall into that like i do love silence of the lambs but buffalo bill's a tough tough watch now you know yeah well uh, yeah i just i i so yeah there's there was there was a lot going on between you know and and trust me there are many lulls in this movie where you can you can like i totally had the thoughts of like what what you know what trans people are go are going through right now, especially in certain states, and and so and so yeah, it's tricky because like it, the iconicness versus the appropriateness of the Frankenfurter character is something that will continue to ebb and flow. Absolutely, um, and it's fun. And again, and then I I revert to just like how how not everybody is a theater person, and so 
I don't think that like that if you are if you are in the trans community but you're not affiliated with the theatrical community, you could see this entirely as like I I hate this. And again, totally fine. But I it, like if you've been in this world long enough, you know it's like of all of the groups in the world, it's like the most opening like be be literally whoever you want to be. And so there's just such a I think the intent behind this is not anything negative. And that's where I, we'll, I think that matters for sure. Yeah, I, that's where we'll come to Richard O'Brien, um, who up until you know the last couple years, I loved Richard O'Brien. I'm not sure if either of you have ever seen a show called The Crystal Maze, uh, but he used to run a game show in England called The Crystal Maze. It's all on um, on Net, on YouTube, and it's. It's Richard O'Brien being bonkers, running around with people doing these funny little games. Like, it, it's great. But Richard O'Brien has, within the last, like, I don't even know, like, I think it was 2016, has started talking. Like, and, and Richard O'Brien himself, he does use he, him pronouns, but he considers himself gender fluid or, like, a third sex. He doesn't say that he's non-binary. He says he's third sex and that he's probably about 70% man and 30% woman. He has come out to say things that are pretty um, harmful to the trans community and, you know, like saying things like trans women will never be women and um, that he ideas he uh, and this is very this is a really upsetting thing that I read um, that he agrees with somebody who said that trans women are just men mutilating themselves which I think is really horrific and made my stomach turn and Rocky Horror was such a release for so many people in the queer community and so many people saw themselves represented for the first time and I can't even imagine what it would feel like to see somebody that wrote something that spoke to you say things like that about your community um it just really really made me sad uh, so I had yeah, to share that's a that bummer to hear. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a real bummer. That's fucking so wow. So he's thinking like that's fucking awful. That's really upsetting. Yeah. And like I did maybe, not expect that to come out of your mouth there. Well, maybe we'll put like a, a, a warning of like where to skip in case somebody doesn't want to hear that because that's a pretty upsetting thing to even say and I've I've felt like a pit in my stomach saying it. Um so those are the things that I was thinking about with going into this movie. Um, unfortunately, to bring it down, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but no, I it's totally relevant. I definitely did not see that, and I'm and I'm I you know the power of the internet. I'm fucking looking at it right now, and it yeah, it's, it's yeah. You really can't be gross. a woman. You can be the idea of a woman. You're in the middle, and there's nothing wrong with that. I certainly wouldn't have. I certainly wouldn't have the wedding tackle taken off. Yeah, well, okay. It's, yeah, it's, okay. Yeah, it's incredibly, it, it's disturbing to read, to be perfectly honest, from somebody who made a, this character and made Frank to be kind of like an idea of things that he was looking for in his life, right? And 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 wrote this song, I'm Coming Home, that spoke to so many people who felt like they didn't have a place and they didn't have, like, society didn't accept them. And it just fucking pisses me off. You know, and yeah. Anyways, obviously, I stand with the trans community and love you all very, very much. So. Of course. Yeah. Fuck Richard O'Brien. Jesus. Okay. Um, What a dick. Fuck. 
Well, let, let's, Joey, who's your unsung hero? I'm so sorry. I brought no. that so far down. No, that's, we're just going to, we're just going to start. We're going to, we're going to get into that old school elevator they use in the movie and we're going to bring it on right back up. Yep. Well, thank the Lord I didn't pick Richard O'Brien. <laughs> if you did, you'd be changing it real quick. <laughs> I know. <laughs> then we'd really find out how true I am to my notes. Um, <laughs> um, It was a cop-out, but Tim Curry, because even if you don't know what this is, you know Tim Curry from this. And I think there's few who have that, especially for something this kind of left of center. So um, I I just had everything. uh, It just has to be Tim Curry, even though that's that's just a cop-out answer. But it's Tim Curry. Uh, well, well, I agree with you that it, that is absolutely a cop out answer. How dare you? How dare you? He's all front and center over this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> I'll allow it though because I love him. Um, Thank you. I Thank I you. almost went I almost went with Peter Sushetsky, uh, who really had I don't know if you've looked at his career. He was the nope. DP for Empire Strikes Back and like most of Cronenberg's films. Oh, that's yeah. right. Um, so yeah, really good career. Yeah, uh, he's he's all over the place. Um, but instead, I went with uh, somebody who's barely in the movie, but every time he popped out, I loved. I'm going with Charles Gray as the criminologist. He's great. I, oh, that's I awesome. Just, I just love whenever he would. The very first, it's just a jump to the left. I just he's he's great. He's just I. It's I love amazing. And I believe he was the original criminologist. That's cool. He's my quote of the movie. When he goes, I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. And man, talk about an underselling of what's coming. <laughs> I was great. I, I I love him. I think that's great. So good. Oh. So we so we don't normally. Wait, can, I, can, oh. I have a, can I ask you guys a question? Of course. How does the criminologist play in the play? Oh, he's like, just how like. They, how, how do they do that? In. He's just off to the side usually. In my play, he was off to the side the entire time, just like reading through stuff, which I've done oh, that okay. role before, like that kind of a role where you just sit on stage. But he was really fun because you just have to like kind of do now, make yourself something. Now, Joey, do you know that in in the in the uh, the stage musical version of it, that Doctor Von Scott is usually played by the person who plays Eddie? Like they're the same. Oh, really? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. The uncle. Yes. Oh, okay. That makes a little oh, bit more cool. sense because it's like, oh, okay. he looks like Eddie because it is Eddie. Right. Because it is Eddie. Oh, that's cool. Okay. I like that. And it adds actually, a whole element to it. Meatloaf was the first person to do the like leg thing. Um, so that's fun. <laughs> they they keep it. That Everybody does that now in productions every time. I love that, though. That's, that's, a, that's a fun touch. So what's everybody's favorite song? Oh, I was going to say new category. What's uh, your favorite song? We were in the same page. I love it. I love it. I, I will. I'll go. Um, and a, so, a hush falls over the crowd. As we think about it. So this is like so basic and that's fine. And it is very much because of like my experience with this show. But science fiction double feature 100% is my favorite song in this movie. Um, I think it's it's such a weird song that shouldn't work but strangely does. And it is the perfect way to open the show. I have never felt cooler than when I was in my adorable little, like, matchbox 
girl outfit, my usherette outfit, and um, the ending, the reprieve of it at the end is beautiful. And it was the only time, because I, I, when I was singing this role, I was like, oh, I'm going to make sure I'm belting and sound really good. And I decided to do more legit at the end, and it was beautiful. And I was like, this might be the prettiest thing I've ever sung in my life. So for very, very selfish reasons, it's science fiction double feature. For sure. I gotta tell you, it's real toss up because I, my favorite performance of a song in the movie is, is Sweet Transvestite. Yeah. Um, but I think my favorite overall song that I, I, I'm gonna, it's, I think it's Damn It Janet is actually it's my, so good. my favorite song in the, in the show. So funny. That's awesome. Um, mine's Time Warp. I mean, it's, hell yeah. It's, I was, I was between that and Damn It, Janet, but it's it's Time Warp. I fucking love it. I was wa- I watched the Tenacious D version today. I found like I was watching all different versions of it on YouTube. That um, I, I I love it. I love it in the movie. I love it in the world. I love it. I, I think it's great. My favorite shot is actually in Time Warp, and it's when the camera's doing that pull back and everybody's flipping around. Um, yeah, I, I, it's a, it's just a dolly shot, but I I and and the way that everybody and we talked about this earlier that not everybody's turning at the exact same speed or rhythm, but like I just the way it looks and and I just that's that's my favorite shot of the movie as well. So. I mean, my favorite scene in the movie is the time warp. I know. Again, it's so basic, but that. Mo- that it sets the tone it is so good and even if you don't know rocky horror you know the freaking time warp you yeah. know what the dance is because it's been parodied so many times and i will admit it when it was going on uh when i was watching it i did get up and start doing it and trying to remember if i could remember our version of the time warp because it was uh, chaotic and in intense um but i i love it so that's my favorite scene i just could rewatch the time warp over and over again now joey your favorite scene is rocky horror lifting weights right Obviously, that's your yeah. favorite scene criticizing his, his uh his criticizing his curl form really got me it was very technical <laughs> oh i what was I didn't. Yeah, his. I didn't really like his technique in, in any way. I don't think he, he was, what he was awful doing. at everything he did. He was the worst at everything. Whatever it was, he was bad at it. He was awful. He was awful. pretty good at wearing awful. those shorts. Like no, he wasn't. <laughs> he, he couldn't even wear those right. Everybody else looked great in their costumes. He <laughs> awful. I give him no credit. He gets it nothing. Actually, I'm actually with Joey on that one. I was concerned that they weren't going to stay up. He, I don't. Th- I mean, that's fair. <laughs> well, they were based on Charles Atlas short. Like they were like because most of the stuff um, around him was based on Charles uh, Charles Atlas. So his little gold shorts were based on like actual shorts that he wore. And then um, his slogans for his gyms were like, um, I, "I can make you a man," and "Be it, don't dream it," or uh, uh, "Be it, don't dream it." It was "Be it, don't dream it." Um, so they, they took that idea and, and put it in the movie and I kind of just love that. So I give him no credit. Maybe, yeah. Um, no. my fate, my favorite just like shot is when the car breaks down and it, the, the camera pulls out and the, when he turns off the car, the windshield wiper goes out and as the rain like floods the windshield and it's just the two Brad and Janet kind of talking about their Brad's terrible plan. I think it's just really cool the way they let the, the rain sit on it for a few seconds before they get out in the rain. I just thought it was really cool, and it stood out in this, so I, I love that shot. And my favorite scene is Time Warp. I watch that all day. And all day. 
All day, every day. Okay, so Joey, would you rather watch Time Warp or the opening of La La Land? Oh, I mean, there's probably, there's very little where the opening of La La Land is not the answer. Okay, I wasn't sure because Time Warp's like, yeah, no, it's good. A good. It's a great question. Great question. And I'm not even saying I'm being, a, it's probably not an objective answer, but yeah, no, it's La La Land. That's okay. I, I fully understand. It's a, it is great. I'll be honest when I, you know, it is what it is. You, I respect that. I greatly respect it. I don't think Adam does, but I do. That's fine. Two out of three ain't bad. Right? Yeah. So yep. is, is there anything else you guys really want to touch on as we, we kind of wrap up this, this conversation that got way too serious about Rocky Horror? Um, well, I just threw out no. a meat. I just threw out a meatloaf lyric that didn't land, so that was disappointing. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm not that first in meatloaf. No, it's fine. It's it's fine. Listen, I I would do anything for you, but I won't do that. So <laughs> there it is. Thank you. <laughs> um, just uh, no. I do like the funny. King Kong, Fay Ray climbing up the RKO tower at the end. That's that's just a, yeah, that's a, cool. a funny thing. It's another thing that like, why is it in the movie? Well, I don't know, but it's fun. But I I'll like take it. it. Yeah, I'll absolutely take it. It's fun. Um, I also like the fact that uh, uh, the corsets they had two corsets for each person so that they could take them off and dry them out. Uh, and then get them back in the pool, but they never really dried out, so they're all just like gross. Oh, that just sounds like a nightmare. Times. I like. I don't know that I could physically handle that. Like, I, it would just feel so disgusting. I think I just, I, I oh, it makes me like physically uncomfortable thinking about. <laughs> it's amazing the things that we put ourselves through as actors. That afterward, you go, "Wow, I really um shouldn't have done that." Kind of like Adam and I did a show, and they couldn't decide on what shoes I should wear, so they just decided, "Well, you're in a strip club. You won't wear shoes," and. Um, so, so we did a whole scene in like a, a, a club with like a, what did we have? Like a, I was like on a table or something. Um, yeah, there, I, there was, there was like a center table and like kind of a, a wraparound seating area. And I could have like lost toenails. I could, that was the, why did I do that? I don't know, but, but I did. And I was like, yeah, no problem. I'll do that. I said no to one thing in that show. And it was smoke, like vaping on stage. They're like, oh, yeah, will you vape? And I was like, absolutely not. No. No. But I probably should have been like, actually, I need to wear shoes. <laughs> All right, friends. Well, I think we're ready for our question. So, um, you know what? I was started. I started with Joey first today. So I'm going to go back to Joey. I'm going to throw it to you. Joey? Do you think that the Rocky Horror Picture Show should be in this book? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I, like you guys said, Rite of Passage. I think there's just something about it. The fact that this could have easily been just like lost to the world, and the fact that it's still here is really great. And I think, um, I think it's something that people should see. Yeah, that's valid. Totally valid, Adam. I, you know, I, I definitely, I definitely thought like it, it's been a while since I've I've thought this hard about an answer to the to the question, um, because when it when it's when it's working, it's on fire. Like when it's when it's there, it's it's so good. 
but it 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 drags. I mean, it definitely is not uh, anywhere close to a perfect movie. Um, and and like anything, like older than us, you know, it's hard to to adequately measure it in in twenty twenty three terms. All that being said, though, I, I do think that it should be in the book, and I do think that people should should check it out. Um, there aren't too many cult films, uh, movies like this in the book, um, and uh, I, I think uh, I, I think it's worth your time. <laughs> I, yeah. I'll say that, yeah. Um, so for me, I'm having a really hard time with this one. And I knew I was going to have a hard time coming in because first off, I, I, I have no chill. I, this is one of those movies like up there for me that I will always hold near and dear to my heart. It, it is meant some, I've seen it freaking 50 times. Like how could it not be near and dear to my heart? But at the same time, the, the representation in the film is really, really can be seen as extremely damaging. And that's what's kind of holding me back at this moment. So I have a replacement. I do. And I kind of think I'm going to go ahead and go with the replacement instead of this one, just because I, with a caveat that maybe I will decide to put this back in after another viewing. But right now with just everything that's going on, I think I'm going to have to say no on this one as much as I love this movie. And I'm going to go with The Old Dark House from 1932, which I think is going to be shocking because you all know how heavy handed I think the beginning of this book is. But it, like I said before, it follows a group of strangers who get stranded in the middle of the countryside during a storm. It has so many similar elements. And I just, I think that it would be a better fit for the book at this moment but again i could decide that that's wrong and come back and say i need to re-record this so we'll see right now i'm i'm just a little uh, unsure so we'll go with the old dark house for now but that's okay so so there you have it folks we got two yeses and one very very hesitant no that might become a yes we don't know yet so i guess that's uh that's our show on the rocky horror picture show so yeah, uh, you you can <laughs> you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter and listen to us on you know, well if you're listening to us just keep listening to us where you're listening to us I mean that'll that'd be great you don't got to change up your your podcast listening um, and uh, and so so next time we we meet we'll be starting a, a two episode journey um, so so we're gonna we're gonna start by delving into a movie that is no longer in the book but it once was. And that is covering Bong Joon Ho's The Host. And then after that, we'll be doing our, our second and, and last for the season uh, definitive director ranking on the films of Bong Joon Ho. How are we feeling about that? I'm so excited. I love Bong Joon Ho. Big surprise. Yeah, I mean, just this week. At Best Picture Cast, our Parasite episode came out, so like I'm fully in the bong world, and I am so excited and can't wait to figure out how the hell I'm to decide what goes where. So really looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be um, it's a really fun one to have under our belts. I, I'm excited because I've seen like half of his movies, um, so a lot of these are going to be new, which I'm excited about. I was also just really like. I'm I'm proud of some of the weird shit that we've come up with. Like uh we had when we you know, the the Dune hole, right? The Dune and also, hole. 
when we were when we were referring to this pre preseason, we just we kept saying Lynchbong, which I thought was great because yep. I just thought awesome. as a, as a as a phrase or a hyphenated word like no, we're, it, it's doing the Lynchbong. Perfect. Um, so uh, so yeah, um, I'm I'm excited to uh, to revisit what I have seen of his because there isn't anything that I've seen that I haven't liked and uh, and check out some of these uh, these new ones, including the host. Um, so that is what's coming up. Uh, but, uh, until we get to, uh, the host and Bong Joon-ho, uh, I am Adam. I am Brett. And I'm Joey. And we will see you next time.